Welcome to Series 3 of Leading Between the Lines, a podcast from Alternique Inspired Growth that explores every aspect of people development. This series is hosted by me, Peter Thorpe, and Rosanna Machado, coaches at Alternique Inspired Growth. After the success of Series 2, we're delving deeper into the world of startups and fast-growing business. In the coming months, we'll be speaking to a variety of business leaders to find out how they create a positive employee experience and empower their people to succeed. So make sure you tune in to discover how some of the world's most innovative organizations are thinking and the changes they're making to stay ahead of the competition. Omnipresent the word means widely or constantly encountered. Omnipresent the company does exactly that. Started in 2019, by Matthew Wilson and Gunther Isinger, who met at Entrepreneur First. That's a process which invites applications from the world's most talented people, and if successful, helps them find their ideal co-founder to set up a new tech business, and how amazingly well they've done. By 2020, they'd expanded into 150 countries, and they recently raised $120 million in their Series B fundraising round. My guest today is Lily Fisher, Senior People Partner at Omnipresent. I'm Peter Thorpe, and this is Leading Between the Lines. Welcome, Lily. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Peter. It's lovely to be here. Absolute pleasure. Well, in the intro, I didn't even say what Omnipresent does. So let's start by asking you for a bit of a rundown on the company, what they do, where they do it, and very importantly, what you do and where you do it. Sure. Uh, so Omnipresent is a B2B SaaS platform that acts as a global employment partner uh, for businesses. So essentially what we do is we enable businesses to employ people on a global scale and we take the pain away um, for businesses doing that. So I don't know if you've ever been part of setting up an entity in a different country or, or looking at expanding globally, but it's an incredibly painful <laughs> Um, an admin heavy process and what Omnipresent do is we partner with businesses to, to take away that pain essentially so we absorb that and and support our, our clients with with that process um, and I guess some some highlights is we are remote first uh, we are a global company we operate yes. in 160 countries employing people uh, in all those countries right so how does it work in practice then for the for the normal person? You've got around 250 employees, I think, haven't you, in your, your company? Yes, over and counting. <laughs> okay, so they are on the payroll. But mm -hmm. if I wanted to set up something in Thailand and I was in the UK, how would one or some of those 250 employees of yours help me do that? Sure. So we work with uh, local service providers and we also have our own entities uh, within countries. And what we do is we act as that partner with businesses to employ people. So a company will come to us and say, we'd like to employ somebody in, for example, Thailand. And we will put together the contract. We will set up that employment relationship and we will also manage it. So our platform enables businesses to, to manage their, their remote employees, um, process the payroll, you know, do the administration, log time off. Uh, so it's kind of an all-round solution for employing people globally. So the relationship that you need to have with people that aren't on your payroll 
is critical by the sound of it. Uh, what sort of problems does that bring? Because there's kind of no line management in that, is there? So does that give you give you problems? Yeah, so my, my role focuses on our internal employees. Um, and so that is the, the kind of the employees that work for Omnipresent for our platform. Uh, and as a business, then we obviously service what we call client employees through the businesses that we partner with. There's lots of intricacies around that relationship especially at a global scale, um, the different laws and regulations in certain countries. Uh, you know, it's in some countries you have to track all sorts of time off, others you don't. Um, so we're, our role there is really to support businesses in, in engaging those employees. Um, and we want to do it in a holistic way. So we do advise our, our, our clients on kind of, you know, best practice, especially with remote working. And that's that's the solution we provide. Okay, so your role, you've been with Omnipresent about three months now, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, that you're not completely swamped by all things Omnipresent yet. Why did you join them? Sure, great question. Uh, I mean, for me, the opportunity to join a company that uh, understands the strategic importance of HR as a function was a no-brainer. Um, I think it's a company that's really leading the way in, in remote work and enabling access to global talent. And as a, as a people partner, as someone that works in the HR function, uh, I was super, super excited to be part of kind of this, this journey. Um, also, the, the growth, uh, if I'm honest, I have worked previously. I've kind of been in businesses around 250, under 250 mark. And so the opportunity to join a business that's looking to scale past that and looking to scale rapidly um, was, was also something I didn't want to miss out on. Um, I want to see what good looks like at, you know, at 600, at 600 plus, um, and how you get there. Um, so those are the two key reasons for joining Omnipresent for me. So you're going to scale your own employees up yes. to how many? What's the, what's the master number? So I think we're looking at adding a few hundred this year and then we'll see where that goes and probably continue growing next year. Um, so we're about 300 now and looking to add another few hundred um, this year. So quite rapid, major growth. <laughs> Yeah, and they're placed all around the globe, are they? They are placed around the globe, yes. Um, so we have, you know, I guess, in a sense, mirroring our own model um, and practising what we preach. We have uh, our own internal employees spread globally. Um, and I think we're in over 50 countries with our employees currently. So how does the line management work um, and the hierarchy in general? Because if I'm... Let's say I'm Argentinian, living in Argentina, and you employ me. Mm -hmm. Who am I going to re report into? Sure. So, I mean, we are quite, it, it isn't, you know, it, it follows a sort of similar company tax structure um, to others. Uh, so you'll report into your manager in that department. Um, so, for example, I report into our people partnering lead. Um, they are based in Germany um and and then we have a director of people that's based in the uk uh in other teams you your manager might be based in in amir and you're based as you said in, in south america and the relationship work there works 
you know, really the same as any other. I mean, I think management, like trust is, is one of the key tenets of that. You have to trust people. Um, and that's, I guess, heightened when you're working remotely and in different time zones. But the way that we set up, you know, our ways of working really enable us to work asynchronously, to empower individuals um, and to form a trusting relationship between the manager and the employee. We're quite a flat structure. Um, so in that sense, we do all contribute. I think that's a, you know, one of the exciting things about being at a startup is you can really have an impact no matter what your role is. Um, and something I've been super impressed with at Omnipresent is how trusting an environment it is. Um, I really feel able to go off and try things, do different things, see how it lands and, and iterate on it. And I think that's, you know, I think that's an important part of, of remote working. Is English the necessary language for the company? Yes, currently it is the necessary language for the company. So I'm um, Argentinian working in Argentina and whoever I report into, we're going to be doing that in English. Yes, yes. And I think in the sense that also all of our company communications, our guidance, everything is in English and therefore you obviously do need to, to be able to speak and understand the language. Now, I can think of probably 20 reasons why a structure like yours would work brilliantly. And I can think of 20 reasons why it would be an absolute nightmare. And when people talk to me about why it works well, they always say things like how well trust is developed between teams, for mm -hmm. example. And I always struggle to understand exactly how they do that. So I'm going back to being in Argentina and um, I'm speaking a second language and my boss is in Switzerland. How is he or she, the boss, going to create an environment of trust and comfort for me being so far away? Sure. So I think that a lot of that comes down to ways of working. Um, something that we're that we're doing is kind of user guides. So, you know, understanding uh, the profile of the people that you're working with and asking people to, to fill that in. You know, how do you best work? How do you like to receive feedback? What gives you energy? What drains you? How do I know if you're stressed? You know, answering those questions and having that conversation early in the, in the relationship. Um, so being open and sharing that information, I think, is really important. Also, ways of working in terms of team agreements. You know, what are our rituals? What do we expect from each other? And being upfront with, with those expectations. I think what causes a lot of anxiety and discomfort for people is the unknown. Um, you know, if I don't know that, you know, you need me to get back to you by X time or that you expect X way of working. Um, so I think being clear about that uh, upfront is something that really helps build those, those relationships. And also being deliberate about building that social connection as well. Um, so giving people a space to get to know each other on a more personal level, to understand you know, what goes on outside of work and be curious about that. Um, I've definitely benefited a huge amount from working um, with a team that's based, um, so in, just in the people partners alone, we've got someone in South Africa, someone in Kenya, someone in Brazil, and, and learning about their cultures, learning about the norms there um, is obviously a, a real benefit, really interesting, and helps you to then understand and empathize with that person. So some of the things that you mentioned there, 
specifically what makes employees tick, expectations and the like, they're not usually even discussed when people work in the same building, in my experience. Yeah. So when you onboard a new manager, Hmm. how do you train them, instill in them what you expect from them in terms of how they're going to deal with their team, especially as I guess you might get a fantastic manager and he or her uh, may have only to date worked on a face-to-face basis. And this could be their first venture into remote working. And as a manager, it's just really different. So what's your training looking like for managers when they come on board? Yeah, sure. So um, as a people partner, I would partner with any new manager and run through kind of our leadership like manifesto and principles and work to understand what their experience is and then support them in in developing you know that knowledge and if it's the first time managing remotely then obviously you know sharing our best practice our guidance we have a library of lots of tips and tricks both for managers and for employees for some employees it's you know I guess the first time they've joined a remote first company um, I think after two years of a pandemic most people have experienced remote working but for a lot of people it's the first time they're joining remotely uh, so that's different so we've got lots of guidance there um, we are we are also looking to build out a, a management training program that will very much focus on that remote work piece and managing people in a digital and remote world um, so building out the, the learning and development there as well what type of tech do you use within the company for remote meetings and any internal training do you just use a standard zoom platform or have you developed your own sure no we just use zoom um, currently um, we do also use um, something called cosmos which is a really fun like social platform that you can go and like play games on there are a few of them out there um, i definitely recommend people investigating those it just t- makes it a little bit less you know zoom boxes on a screen uh, way of interacting in terms of learning uh, we've recently hired a learning and development lead and they will be building out uh, implementing a learning management system and building out our programs there so your co-founders Matthew and Gunter started all this all in 2019 when they were paired at entrepreneur first now entrepreneur first and I know a couple of people who've been on it they only accept the smartest human beings on the planet with the express aim of if they cut the mustard, putting them together with someone they usually have not known ever at all to start a tech company. Um, And I guess it's as far away from The Apprentice and Alan Sugar as you could ever hope to get, but I think it would make just as good TV. So my point is, these guys are super smart. But in 2019, when they had this idea, No one had heard of COVID and now we're coming out the back of at least this round of COVID. Their business has gone absolutely berserk. So they obviously saw something in it. But or have they just got lucky? I mean, I think it's probably I think they would admit it's probably a bit of both when you're starting a business. Right. Like I think um, they are incredibly smart. They had an amazing product fit with this business. Um, But I think they would admit as well there's obviously a bit of luck in it there's a bit of timing meeting the right people um so i i would say it's a bit of both but yeah i mean there has absolutely been a tectonic shift 
in the way that we work, in the way that people expect to now work. And Omnipresent is in the perfect position to cater for that um, and to enable businesses to embrace that. Isn't it just? And in terms of the funding that you have just completed on in your Series B fundraising round, $120 million when the company hasn't been going three years is really impressive. impressive. So somebody somewhere, big time, thinks this is going to fly even higher than it's flying now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's impressive. And I think that somebody obviously does and our investors obviously do believe in us and and what we can what we can deliver on and our clients also. Um, so I think it's a super exciting space to be in. I don't see remote work going anywhere. I mean, Airbnb recently uh, declared that they were they were, you know, supporting people to be remote first. So I think this this market will just continue to grow. I see this week um, a law firm in London said their staff can work from home if they're prepared to take a 20% pay cut. What do you think of that? Yeah, so if you read into it, uh, what they've said there is actually that they are going to, they employ people outside of London and, and allow them to work remotely. And what they're going to do is now give that same opportunity to people in London. Our compensation philosophy is, you know, we don't, we benchmark against London salaries and then we add a location factor in but not on a national basis. I think that giving employees the choice with how they work is key here but I also respect that you know every business makes a choice and if that's the way that you decide that you want to work and that's what you do it's not somewhere I would want to work but everybody you know everybody makes a choice so it's not aligned with how I see things shifting but again you know we all we all do things differently and I think it's better to be upfront about what you do and say that that's what you're saying rather than pretending that you want to do one thing and actually doing the opposite so that would be my answer to that very diplomatic really (laughs) very impressive I thought it was outrageous but there you go as you say it's horses for courses I wouldn't go near them to work Okay, right. So on a daily basis, then, what are you charged with? What what are the sort of meaty bits that you have to get on with at work? Sure, as, as a senior people partner. So I partner with our operations team, and I always describe, have before Omnipresent, have described my role as sort of being a customer success manager for our employees um, and managers. And never has that been more true at Omnipresent, where our customer success managers are advising and supporting kind of our client employers and employees. And so on a day-to-day basis, I partner with our leaders and managers in the operations team, reviewing the employee experience across that life cycle from when they start to, to eventually at some point, you know, we all, we all move on. So supporting that, investing in learning and development. Um, Currently, a big project I've been working on is reviewing our onboarding process for internal employees and and revamping that a bit. I think one of the great things about working in a scale up is that, you know, things are constantly changing. You constantly have to adapt. There's constant opportunity for improving um, and iterating on on what we're doing. So, yeah, I mean, it's a a host of things, um, but lots of really exciting work. We're going into our performance review cycle in the next couple of months. Um, so preparing for that, looking at ways that we can support well-being, um, better DEI initiatives. Uh, there's lots going on and, yeah, lot, lots to do, uh, which is 
how I like to work. And how regularly do you see the co-founders? Yeah, I was, we have it all hands every every week. Um, so we see them on that. Um, I speak to them every couple of weeks. Um, I definitely interact with them. Um, so it's not got to the point now where they are just sort of, you know, at the lead and, and not invested. I think they're really supportive and they get involved and they are interested in, in what's going on across the business. So there's plenty of opportunity to speak to them and work with them. Uh, we also do offsites um, and a retreat um, where, you know, w- which they join and are part of. So there's that opportunity to meet in person as well. And to what extent do they buy into the people part of this? And I mean, really buy in because all co-founders of companies say how important the people are and then they don't spend any money on them and they don't do anything and it all falls apart. So where, where do people really sit? Because you've obviously got a product, but you need people to make it work big time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they are incredibly bought in on on the importance of people. And I think you can see that in the fact that you know our director of people was one of their first leadership hires as well like early on building out that leadership team and that's not always something that founding teams invest in you know you might often have a vp of engineering vp of product but you don't necessarily have you know that that leadership uh in in a people team so we're definitely building out and investing in our people team and they understand and are very bought in on the importance of it and we also, as, as a business, like see ourselves as kind of thought leaders in, in how to support and manage global teams. And therefore, you know, it just comes part and parcel of, of what we do is that is how important um, a strategic function this is, um, which is obviously great and very exciting for me because it hasn't always been the case that I've worked in environments where that's where it's thought of in that way. One more question about Omnipresent and then a bit more about you as a, an individual, if, if I may. Um, but my last question to you is, OK, you've been in there three months now. Time to get your feet under the table. Give me a couple of things that you've looked at and you've thought, do you know what? We could do that better. Sure. I mean, I think my feet are already under the table. <laughs> I think three months is, uh, um, definitely feels like I've been here a lot longer in a great way. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot in three months. Um, so like I said, I think you come into an environment somewhere that's scaled from two people in 2019 to 300. Obviously, things need changing. Things need to adapt to that. So as I mentioned, one of the things is our onboarding program. Um, we needed to bring more structure and consistency to what we were doing across the board. Um, it had started to become a little bit siloed. So different teams were experiencing different, you know, learning opportunities, different support. And so we've structured the program to create more consistency and to really invest in, in giving people the, the skills and the tools they need early on. Um, and that's so one of the key things we've done is a company wide training program um, that everybody will go through and learn about our company as a whole and then be able to focus on kind of their role and um, what department they sit in. Um, so that's something that we're that we're improving and iterating on. Uh, I think one of the huge opportunities at this scale is internal mobility. Um, so really supporting that process and putting in guidance, you know, clear guidance in place to, to support people in their development uh, and, and cross-team moves. Uh, so I think that's something that's been it's been exciting. And Yeah, I mean, looking at management training, we've obviously got people that have started early on and now managing quite, quite large teams of people. So really investing in that is something that we're we're looking to do uh, ASAP. 
And I mean, there's a whole load going on. Uh, I think I've been very impressed with what is already in place for such a, you know, I guess, young business in that sense. You know, the fact that it has only been going since 2019. And when I joined, we already had career growth frameworks in place. We had employee resource groups on well-being and DEI. Um, you know, there was a performance review and compensation philosophy. And that's not a given. So I've been very impressed in, in that sense. And now it's just adapting those things to support us as we scale, really. Um, what works for 100 doesn't work necessarily for, for 500 plus, et cetera. Let's, let's talk a bit about you now. So where did you grow up? What's your background? Did you go to university? What's your life been like so far? Sure. So I was born in London, uh, raised in Kent, um, so in the UK, but I am half French. So my mum is French. So I spent a lot of time in France and went to school there for a couple of years. Um, I had quite an interesting school uh, experience. I went to seven different schools, um, not because I was naughty, because <laughs> I think my parents were just uh, maybe using me as a test subject uh, <laughs> for schooling and what worked. Um, I then went to university, so I studied law at UCL. I found, to be very open and honest with you, I found university very difficult. I struggled quite a lot with depression in my 20s, and that was exacerbated by kind of going into an environment where if you want to stay in bed all day and not see anyone, you know, you can, and no one's going to tell you, sort of, you know, intervene there. So I struggled with that. Eventually, after a number of years, got my law degree. Um, but also decided very quickly that that wasn't an arena I wanted to go in. Um, I dabbled in lots of different roles originally. So I worked in marketing and sales. I was an EA for a few years, which gave me great exposure into different departments of the business and eventually saw that kind of, you know, the people team at HR was, was where I was really passionate about and supporting people and that I could make a difference there. So that's been sort of my trajectory. The last company I worked in was my first startup scale-up experience, and uh, I loved it. And, you know, obviously I've moved to Omnipresent for a similar but slightly different experience here. Um, I don't think I would, I don't ever see myself moving to a big corporate. I think I really like the, the impact you can have in a smaller business that's scaling, being able to get to know the people, um, really feeling part of something. Um, is is what I enjoy. Mm, well, I think if you stay there a couple of years, you might be part of a big corporate the way it's going. It's true. <laughs> so how's your mental health now? The, the reason that I'm asking you is that you, you you shared that about how you felt at that time in university. And we do an awful lot of coaching. And personally, I haven't coached anyone in the last year who hasn't been affected by the last two years. And it doesn't matter how old you are, what you're doing, however you like to front it out, when you really get down to it, everybody has struggled somewhere. And mental health now is just a time bomb waiting to explode. Mm. What, what's your view on mental health in general? Yeah, my view is, um, I think in some ways that's opened people's eyes to, to what, you know, struggling with mental health means the impact that it can have on your life and you know I can understand that it can 
be quite difficult to to really empathize with someone you know what do you mean you can't get out of bed just get out of bed I definitely experienced you know people saying that to me um and when you've been through that experience yourself obviously you can you can empathize far more with people going through that I think the shift in how we talk about mental health how we support it has been amazing um when I first went to the doctor I thought there was you know my I think I was in my early 20s or late teens I thought there was something physically wrong with me you know I was like can I have blood tests you know there must be so and when I was told it was depression I just hadn't even like even hadn't even crossed my mind wasn't something that was spoken about wasn't something that I was very aware of um and I think in the last kind of 10-15 years that's that's really changed and people are really talking about it um which I think is fantastic. I mean, my key piece of advice is that, like, it's okay to not be okay and talk about it. I used to put on quite a front and used to, you know, people would always say, oh, you don't look like someone that's depressed or suffers depression. And in some ways, I think actually that wasn't helpful to me because it meant that people, you know, I didn't get the help and support that I needed early on. Uh, And so then talking about it and speaking to people who have experienced that and then for me uh antidepressants and therapy um has been a lifesaver um and in the last two years what you know what therapy gave me was the tools to really be able to manage my mental health and to look after myself and I think it's about you know especially in the remote world it's about learning you know how you react to to situations and also what your triggers are and what your warning signs are. You know, if I start to get very tired, for me, that's a that's a sign that I need to, you know, slow down, I need to exercise more, I need to look after myself um, to kind of prevent it getting any worse. Um, but yeah, I think we all have mental health. <laughs> and I think it's great that the conversation yep. is shifting to support people um, more with that. And, and that's self-awareness to know when you're going a little bit in the wrong direction. And also, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but hopefully you've still got connections with a good coach or a therapist or a counsellor, whatever you want to call them. So if you need to go back and have a session and just straighten yourself out a little bit and just renew what you already kind of know, then you can go and top it up. I think it's Bill Gates said everyone should have a coach. and, And, you know, whether it's a coach for achievement, which we're not talking about now, we're really talking about coach for a fulfilled life which is far more important to to have that availability in my mind is just the most important yeah no I agree um so I definitely do have access to to a great therapist and also omnipresent which is really great we have an employee assistance program which gives everybody access to -to one-to-one therapy Um, And I have used that in my first few months. And exactly like you say, it's kind of like a top up, you know, it's a sort of warning sign and getting that time and space to talk through how you're feeling, what's going on often is all you need. Um, And and so we definitely support that, which has been really amazing. Um, And I think for me, you know, when you talk about mental health, I wouldn't join a company now where there wasn't systems and processes and support in place and a place where we could speak openly about mental health. Um, It's incredibly important to me. And, you know, like you said, you wouldn't touch the the law firm with a barge pole. I wouldn't touch a company um, that wasn't open about that with a barge pole. I'm not interested in working in that environment. So, um, so yeah, Yeah. I do have access to that. And I think coaching is also a really important part of, of that. You know, I think 
everybody should have a coach, everybody should have a therapist. They're kind of two different things, although quite intertwined. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. Yeah. And for anyone listening, uh, Lily's 31 and I'm more than twice her age. And I too have my own counsellor, therapist, coach, whatever you want to call, who I am regularly in touch with. And she is just brilliant. And I would advise anybody go and get one if you can, um, because it needs to be out of your kind of family and friend circle and someone you can just talk to independently. But, you know, it's brilliant hearing you say yeah. that, Lily. I was reflecting recently on a mental health first aid course that in businesses, you know, everybody has, you know, a physical first aider and that's the kind of investment that people make. And actually in the kind of corporate and remote work, the mental health element I think is, is much more often important and that really, like, you know, all businesses, why is that not a requirement for all businesses to have mental health first aiders? Um, in their in their companies and it was just an interesting thought of how many people have been on a physical first aid course versus how many people have been on a mental health first aid course um, and I think it's changing and shifting in the right way but it's just an interesting observation uh, and I guess anyone who's interested in a bit more information about that side of this podcast can contact you either at your company or are you on LinkedIn I am on LinkedIn, yeah, and I'm very, very open to talking about my experiences, talking about mental health. Um, so I would love to be contacted to discuss that uh, in more detail. So it's Lily Fisher out on me present. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, what what gets you out of bed in the morning? What are your values? What runs through you like a sticker up? Deep, deep stuff. Uh, why why does why do I, I don't know if you've got a partner but why does your partner love you why do your mum and dad love you what is it that you really do it all for what is it that I really do it all for that's a really good question um I I love work and I love supporting people and I love that my job gives me an opportunity to do that so I've always been someone that really you know I guess that person that people come to to speak to um, I've always been driven by helping other people. Um, I think that is something that, that definitely gets me out of bed. Um, uh, I do have a partner, so I have a fiance getting married this year, very exciting. Um, and, you know, being with him and experiencing life with him definitely gets me out of bed. Um, I'm very, I'm someone that loves learning. So I'm very curious about, you know, different ways of being different viewpoints um and that's something like speaking to other people learning you know how they see the world what's important to them is something that I that I really love as well um is that a good so, answer I'm not sure <laughs> that's absolutely fine absolutely fine and just to end, end it all up uh, on this series our third series we're asking all of our guests for their top three takeaways from their life in general so from your 31 years so far what are the top three things that you could say to I don't know a teenager a child an adult advice what you've learned top three top three it's hard you learn a lot and, um so I think my first one we touched on it mental health is it's okay to not be okay um and to ask for help I think that is definitely a big one um, and it's not a weakness, you know, don't don't see yourself as as lesser 
um, because you're struggling with it. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, you haven't spoken to anyone that hasn't struggled uh, in the last two years. So I think that would be a big piece of advice that I'd give to people. Um, another one is, I guess, in the context of work, uh, done is better than perfect sometimes. Uh, I can be quite a perfectionist about things and I've learned that actually sometimes just, just do it, get it done, get it out there and you can improve upon it, especially if you want to work in a, in a kind of startup scale-up environment. That's kind of an important ethos to, to hold. And I would say, I think when you're looking for somewhere to work, you know, treat that process as an interview of that company too. Um, you know, I think we're, we're very used to, you know, being on our best behavior in interviews and being interviewed. Um, and I think it's important to learn to, to assess and interview the company that you're, you're going to work for as well. Um, you know, do their values align with your values? Um, does their ethos, you know, align with yours? Is it what you want to be doing? Um, so don't be afraid to ask those questions, I think, when you're looking um, at your next place to work. Um, yeah, the top three. Lily, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And as is often the case, we talked about Omnipresent and it's doing brilliantly well and it's clearly a great place to work. But once we start talking about you in this case and what really drives you and makes you get up in the morning, the conversation just goes in a different direction. And whatever you're doing at work, it's always driven by what's in your heart. And you've clearly got a great heart. Lily Fisher, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. It's been a great conversation. Um, and I'm very kind of you to say that. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you're interested in seeing and listening to more of our content, please follow us on our LinkedIn page, where you'll find more industry-related articles. Just head over to LinkedIn and search for Alternique Inspired Growth. Rosanna or I... We'll be back soon with another episode and we look forward to you joining us then.